Hello, deconstruction community. This is Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger, a show that gives a platform for people to share their stories of surviving toxic religious environments. As a trigger warning, a lot of topics on this show will revolve around religious trauma, mental health, and spiritual abuse. Hello, everyone. This is Speaking Up with Andrew Fletcher, and I'm here with Ashley Doxater. Ashley grew up in the IFB and attended Pensacola Christian College. While at college, she felt she was living a double life. A flash forward when the Trump campaign and going to a doctor helped her make the decision to leave it all behind. How are you doing today, Ashley? I am well. Thank you, Andrew. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> of course. So I'm super excited because as we talked about earlier, you know, my oldest brother went to Pensacola Christian College. My parents really wanted me to go to Pensacola <laughs> Christian College. And so I know that's a big part of your story, but I guess I want to start in the beginning with your childhood regarding religion. And I know you grew up in the IFB like I did too. So kind of like what was your church experience like um, as a child in that movement? Yeah, um, born into it. Um, I remember going to church. You know, some of my earliest memories was just going to church. Um, the church kind of grew and shrank throughout the years as they do. Um, and there's like a thing with the IFB churches where they really like, there's not one like entity over all of them to oversee them, but they all kind of have their allegiances to different colleges and like troubled teams, homes, and like just like preachers in general. And our church, when I, um, like most of my memory being in the church, they definitely pushed PCC a lot. So that was a huge aspect of my childhood. Um, <clears throat> Oh man, <laughs> there's just like so much. Um, we were encouraged to, you know, spend time with other church members and doing church activities. So we were one of those families for the most part who were in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. Um, my family went through times where they were more committed than others, but I think after hearing other experiences, that's pretty normal. <laughs> so there were times where um, we would like faithfully go out um, to do like calling, like going door to door knocking for our church, like on Saturdays, like as a family, we would have um, like youth group events where they would just like drop us off in a neighborhood and like have us go off two by two <laughs> and just knock on people's doors, which was really exciting for someone with me who had I didn't know at the time, but I mean, looking now, it's very obvious. I have like quite a severe anxiety disorder and especially social anxiety. So I did not enjoy mm -hmm. that part yeah. of it at all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I relate. I, I did that too growing up. And I look back at it, I'm like, wow, they would just drop us off in the sketchiest neighborhoods. Yeah. And be like, here you go. Go spread the gospel. Go save people from hell. All right, pick right? you up in an hour. <laughs> like, you see, there's like the TikTok trend right now that it's like that sound that's like, ha ha, 
but not haha funny haha oh no funny but not funny haha funny weird and oh. like I keep like thinking of that sound now whenever I'm like thinking of like my past experiences like yeah. <laughs> dropping off like teenagers in a random town and I don't know it's just kind of weird when you think yeah, about it outside it really of the bubble yeah <laughs> yes and so when did you what, what age did you really start to become involved in the church uh, so I was uh, saved when I was about five for the first time. <laughs> oh, wow. That's really young. Yeah, it is very <laughs> it must young. It really scared you so much. They, that. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of fear, I, especially mm -hmm. like the, the other times that I prayed to get saved. It was, you know, usually something very scary happening, something very serious. I didn't know how to handle it. And it's kind of like, God must be sending this horrible thing to punish me because I'm not really saved. I thought I was, but obviously I'm not because I wouldn't be feeling this way. So now I'm going to pray again. <laughs> and then it kind of just turns into like this never ending cycle. Um, but yeah, so like saved very young. Um, I remember my brother and I were baptized on the same day. I was nine. He would have been seven. And then we joined the church like immediately after, like we were up and got baptized and then we changed and then everyone came and shook our hands. And all of a sudden we were an official member of the church and we were supposed to start tithing and everything even <laughs> even like then like I didn't even get an allowance but sure you can have my a tenth of my pocket lint I guess <laughs> we'll use it for like I don't know to start a fire when I'm on a missions trip and you know I don't know some something will come of it right <laughs> um but yeah so um and then after that um, like once you're a member and everything and you are saved and you've been baptized, the, you're reminded a lot that you're supposed to be an example for the other kids in the church. And um, especially since like my family, we were really the only kids who were like members of the church who were not homeschooled or at a like private Christian school. We went to a public school. Um, and so the church wasn't very happy about that, but they couldn't step in so much to like change that aspect of our life for us. So um, they, they didn't want people to send their kids to public schools thinking that they were gonna be missionaries because they would just be indoctrinated by the liberal propaganda and all the bad things <laughs> of public school and the gay agenda. And I guess that it all worked out. Um, and I guess what they were preaching was true because I'm not a Christian anymore <laughs> and I am pansexual. So yeah. where's the lie? Sarcasm, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but so th there's like that weird aspect of like being a missionary every day, no matter where you are. And um, that's a lot to put on a kid when they're five and when they're nine, <laughs> um, that they have to go out and they have to be the ones to like save everyone from burning in hell and it becomes a lot and you kind of have to figure out when to be that person and when to not be that person and there's a, a verse in the bible that's like no man can serve two masters right um I would like to introduce them to my friend called cognitive dissonance <laughs> because <laughs> um I think that cognitive dis dissonance would have something else to say uh very uncomfortably um, oh i know with, with, with trump <laughs> i feel like oof, i definitely yeah. does, i see that cognitive dissonance oh yeah there 
and like it's just really extreme thinking anyways because um yeah I think it was like the first time when I revealed to someone that I you know, I wasn't a believer and it was at college at Bob Jones University I was just so fucking tired of like putting on a mask and yeah. I don't know why this person asked me this but they were like I had just gotten back because I think yeah, I got COVID in the fall of 2020. And so I was isolated for like two weeks and then I got out. And like the first question they asked me, they were like, did you miss church? And I'm like, do you mean emotionally? They're like, yeah. I was like, no, <laughs> I did not miss church. <laughs> Fuck that. Yeah. You're like, oh no, you're scaring me. Are you safe? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. And it's so hard to have these conversations, especially when you leave. And I mean, I've been out for six years now, but it's mm-hmm. still hard for me to talk about it because when I do, if there are people from like similar backgrounds or people who lived that experience with me, but are still in it, then all that they're going to do is say, you're your experience is not valid because uh-huh. you wouldn't feel that way if you really did believe. And let me yeah. tell you, that mm-hmm. five-year-old girl who didn't know anything else, she really believed. That yes. nine-year-old girl, mm-hmm. like being dunked under yeah. the water, go, oh, oh my God, do you know how many like sensory yeah. issues I have? That was a big thing for me. And yeah. <laughs> like, it's just so ridiculous. Yeah, I, I know, know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, looking back saying like, I was really into it deeply, like so deep neck deep in the quicksand yeah entrenched <laughs> yeah like. and and like trying so like in it so hard knowing that you will never be per- perfect enough right there's always going to be something you're not doing right so mm-hmm. you got to try yes. even harder put on that better mask the happier looking mask the healthier looking mask whatever it is yeah I feel I feel like we're kindred spirits in a way. <laughs> I oh, feel for you yes. so much. I wish I could like uh, reach through the screen and give you a hug. Oh, um, <laughs> unless you wouldn't consent, then. Oh, I, I love screen. hugs. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Then we're okay. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so like I was really, really into it. And I think, especially now, as I've done so much research, especially in the last year and understanding the psychology behind Mm. fundamentalism, the psychology behind religion, and understanding that, oh my gosh, we're literally programmed to have these responses to these things. And I remember them saying, oh, if you feel this and this, this means you're saved. And, but once I actually started digging deeper into it, I'm like, I've been conditioned, just like really in psychology, it's called a conditioned reflex. You know, you when you hear an association with some response or something over and over again you'll have that emotional response to it so mm-hmm. if you hear negativity about like secular music all through your childhood and you rationally believe like oh i think secular music is okay but then you listen to it and you feel bad you experience that cognitive dissonance too and you're like what and yeah. you don't realize until then that oh wow this is really ingrained in my unconscious and this is just a conditioned reflex that i automatically just have to that so part of that a big part of the deconstruction is like undoing those reflexes and learning to not care about those things yeah which has been really hard to do and I wasn't even going to go into that with that girl I was like listen like I didn't want to look like no one's gonna leave you say sorry honey you've been under years of like mind control like you don't know what's going on right that usually doesn't land very well no that doesn't (laughs) right away you have to like (laughs) go set it's, a lot of foundation for yeah it's a, it. yeah it's a long process and like it would really be like I guess you would say if you want to do that it would be like an intervention yeah yeah <laughs> to slowly like carefully work through that but I knew because like originally like I used to have those responses to things that people would tell me oh well, that's the holy spirit 
But now that I've learned, I mean, I'm like, no, I'm like, that's a conditioned reflex. These are emotions. These are things that I'm programmed to my mind. This is not a Holy Spirit because yeah. I got rid of it because it's gone. Yeah, there's like bizarre stories that fundies will tell and they'll be so proud to like say like, like I heard this from the pulpit one time, like the pastor talking about how he was proud that his grandson, who was like just stopped in like, I don't know, like four years old, was having nightmares. And in the nightmare, a monster was Satan and he was chasing That's him. And he was trying to get away. He was so happy. He was like preaching like, That's thank God, this boy knows that he needs to be saved and the, the Holy Spirit is working in him. And it's just like terrible because like I've been there, like I've had those nightmares. I still have nightmares even to yeah, this day about same. things. And that's not something like, that I would like stand up on a soapbox and like tell the whole congregation that they should all be like making their kids and grandkids have nightmares or like, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, ha- okay. Whatever happened to the message of like love, not fear. Cause I remember people would always, I, mean, I heard that all the time growing up. They're like spirit the spirit of fear is not from God. And then they would use fear 24 seven in all their sermons period to yeah. get you to <laughs> commit it's, or conform. It's just, it's caught that cognitive dissonance again. Yeah. Yeah. It's like <laughs> okay. cognitive dissonance. It's like that they're using their own like weird vocabulary and like conflating definitions and it's just it's all very yeah on the surface it looks weird but it's uh-huh. all very like yeah and that's, that's that's like interesting that, purposeful you, in a that way. you say that because there are several signs of cult so one of the signs is like they change the language mm-hmm. they redefine things that is a sign of a cult yeah <laughs> uh, which i would say that ifb is definitely a cult i believe <laughs> so yes yes wow. <laughs> yeah and I've had um, troubles with that too, like the whole vocabulary thing, like in therapy, sometimes my therapist mm-hmm. will ask me, she'll be like, do you, there was one time she asked me, she was like, do you still feel like you need to save everyone? And in my, I said like, no. And like, that's stupid. Cause in my head, I'm thinking, I literally, I don't want to go door to door and like tell people that they need to go to uh-huh. heaven. But then like, after a couple of days, I was like, you know, I like, I think I was like in bed trying to go to sleep and I like sat up. I yeah. was like, I think she was asking if I feel like I need to make the world a better play. Like, you know, like she has like a different. Sorry, are well, people please? Basically. yeah yeah constantly basically. meet everyone's needs all the time yeah like, like there's like my brain has been so conditioned to think uh-huh. of saved as like meaning that one thing that like yeah. talking to normal people it's like it takes me a while to get there <laughs> <laughs> yes and like I think a common response with religious trauma um is the fawn response which you know there are several responses to trauma there's um fight flight freeze and fawn and mm-hmm. fawning is the one it's just people pleasing you please and you completely deny all of your needs basically and you're just basically a servant to everyone around you and it's just to be accepted to conform and that's just your response to the trauma in your environment and like yeah. I think it's, it's a survival so, tactic it is a survival tactic yeah. yes to get along in the group and to be accepted um and I think it's just so sad with that pastor who thought it was great that his son is having nightmares because that's a symptom of religious trauma yep <laughs> that's a symptom of PTSD <laughs> like that is not good that poor yeah. kid so fucked up and I, I had help Ugh. yeah I hope so too <laughs> I should like do some Facebook stalking later I guess make sure yeah. he's okay <laughs> um okay? yeah <laughs> uh I just had this weird memory <laughs> Um, no, but then uh, another thing, like in that same line, I remember I was a friends with a lot of music majors at college, and one of them had told me how like one of the music teachers would talk about how they were proud that 
their daughter would feel physically ill and like get headaches if she listened to secular music and it was like a sign of like how spiritual uh, like spiritually oh, mature she was and I'm like mm, that's no that's, no <laughs> again that's that conditioning yeah there's like really then. they yeah. really like I don't I don't even know what to say after that <laughs> I know what you mean because like for me personally it's not music but like I get I can barely have any any alcohol period and I'll just feel mm. really sick and I think a lot of it is like psychosomatic things because I was conditioned that this is going to make you sick. This is going to make you sick. It's just poison. So like, even though I don't rationally believe, like, obviously you can kill yourself from alcohol poisoning, but, um, you know, if you, what's the word I'm looking for? If you're, if you're careful with the servings, um, you're not indulgent, you're balanced with it. Like it's right. fine. But there's no me, such thing as moderation, moderate, like in yeah. IFB though. That's, no, it's it's black, so black and white. There it's is no gray. Yeah. Yeah. There's no gray. So yeah. So I'm very moderate with alcohol, but still like, I think unconsciously, like I remember just any, anytime I've had alcohol, like even just a little bit, like I feel that sickness and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I think this is mostly my mind because I've been conditioned and people will ask me, they're like, why don't you want alcohol? And I was like, I just can't handle it. It makes me sick. <laughs> yeah. Like just you know, and I don't usually go into depth with them. Why there are a few people I do, but mm. I just don't. I know most people won't understand that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get. Um, I kind of get that. I I avoided alcohol for a very long time. I didn't try it till I was like twenty four, and I didn't care for it. Um, but I did like I would get weird anxiety about like how do I even try it? Like, if I go to the store, I'm going to buy the wrong thing. I'm not going to have my ID or maybe, or like, you know, something will be wrong. I'll go at the wrong time. It'll all be locked up or I'll like buy a cider instead of like a, a beer or whatever. And then um, like, what if I, what if I'm allergic to it? And I don't know it. It's like all these things uh, on, on top of just like, if you drink, you're a bad person and you know, it'll make you do bad things or whatever. And so even even the like the social aspect of it too like I don't know how to go to a bar even like with friends and like I don't know how to order a drink <laughs> like oh, I don't know either. what a tab I is I don't know what these things are so it's like this whole like these layers of things that really keep you insulated and like they want you to be afraid because then you won't be tempted to even try the things that they've deemed as bad and that's something I'm really working on because I um <laughs> love it I, yeah right love it we love working on ourselves <laughs> But no, I found that I do like, and I've been able to actually put a name on it with the help of my new therapist and everything. And it's been really positive, but I struggle very much with agoraphobia and I didn't know that. And I didn't know like exactly how long it's been either. Um, it's just, there's so many intricacies and, and things like, that we're not talked about. Like, yeah. yeah. Is that the fear of like going outside basically, I think, right? That's, yeah, kind that's like what people or, like, think of it as, but it's really, it really, it's really like a fear of having a panic attack. Oh, and, really? and like when you get down to it, like it's like a fear of open spaces, but like, oh, but okay. if I were to go, like if I were to like go to an open space because it was like part of my job, like I'm fine if it's like work related, if it's social related, or if it's just something that I want to do, like it's like I feel guilty, <laughs> like I have trouble. I, I just think about all the bad things that could happen. Um, but there, there are ways that you can work on that. And so that's been a positive step on my journey so far. <laughs> um. 
Yes, and so just tell me about your experiences, I guess, chronologically through your teen years and, you know, and what led you to Pensacola Christian College? So, like I said before, my church was one of the churches that really pushed PCC a lot, and my dad had attended PCC um, when he was in college. Um, so I would spend a lot of time growing up, like looking through his like college yearbooks and like they're big, really nice yearbooks. They're PCC offers like I, um, you speaking about BJU and why you wanted to go to BJU and your like previous podcast really resonated with me because a lot Mm -hmm. of the other churches, especially like I'll get to it, I guess, but like later on in my teen years, they didn't really push PCC as much. And they were pushing um, like West Coast, Fairhaven, really small Uh, ones where if you're a woman, the only thing that you can study uh, is like secretary, music, maybe music, and then like education. And then some of them just have like literal like wife degrees oh I know it's so 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 sexist so right and and, like yeah and me in my like liberal public school education which I still went to a pretty conservative school all things considered like it wasn't very diverse but there was more diversity there than like um you know just like staying in your church and like the sister churches that you might travel to for camp once a year or something, you know, like, um, so yeah, maybe chalk it up to my liberal public school education. Um, but I wanted more, like, I didn't want to just study secretary. Like I've been taking like business courses and all right. Hello everyone. We are back with speaking uh, with Andrew Pledger. And we had some technical difficulties. Um, yes. light, lightning, lightning struck a cable outside of my house during the beginning. The first, we, we recorded this for 21 minutes and lightning struck a cable outside my house, fucked up my internet. And it was, the conversation was getting so good and I was really upset. And we were joking earlier about how it was just an act of God, like God was pissed at us. Like, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it means that kidding. we're doing, doing right, right. We're do- <laughs> depending yes. on whose definition of right but that's true that was funny. <laughs> no we're joking but um it was just funny how things work out like that but um yeah. so I know we were talking about or you were talking about PCC mm-hmm. um and so you were talking a little bit also about like I think you know you talked about Christian colleges and women and then you were talking about how you wanted to not conform to the real expected you wanted to take business classes and learn different things. So talk more about um, your experiences at Pensacola and kind of what you were saying earlier before we recorded this, which is really cool. But yeah, I'll get into that. Yes. All right. So yeah, um, I, well, and actually I wanted to bring up too, before I get into PCC, PCC is that um, with your story and how like. Back to PCC. Back to PCC. <laughs> wait for the lightning okay we're good um (laughs) um I had I had really like tried to convince my parents to let me go to BJU um and our church was quite anti I mean not quite anti they didn't really talk about it a lot but like it was just kind of known that BJU was considered like too liberal yes same at my church yes same that no one would talk about it 
Yeah, no one, it's so weird. They're so weird about it. And you kind of like, they go through these ebbs and flows with the colleges that the churches promote. And you kind of don't know unless you're like talking to the right people or Mm -hmm. you'll find out that this year they invited West Coast singers instead of PCC singers. Uh, And then half the church wants to leave the congregation. You know, it's like so ridiculous. Uh We would do VBS in-house a lot. And sometimes we would like, you know, buy like a curriculum, but we started hiring this family that travels and sings Mm -hmm. and puts on these like spectacular VBS um, plays essentially. And they're like a big family. I don't know for sure, but I I assume that they're like a quiverful family and they all like play instruments and sing. And um, they were BJU grads. I don't know if the, I think the parents were both. And then I think like all of the kids basically went to BJU and um, we had like got talking with one of the daughters after VBS. And my mom was kind of like buying into the idea, like, okay, yeah. Oh, they do. You want to do theater. They have a theater program. Okay. Yeah, maybe. But it was just like in the end, like financially wasn't an option, uh, unfortunately. Um, So (laughs) yeah, that was a bummer. Um, To Ashley back then, at least. (laughs) Yeah, back then. Um, I think some things might've been a little, a little better there, but ultimately, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah, I know either one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They can go to hell. (laughs) Ooh, Andrew Feisty. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, But yeah, I did end up going to Pensacola and um, I, it was like a week after my graduation ceremony that I left. Um, My parents drove me down from Michigan. So it was like 900 miles away. Um, And I worked the summer before my freshman year. So I basically Mm -hmm. lived on campus for six and a half years Mm -hmm. with the occasional Christmas trip back home. Mm -hmm. Um, And my dad had had this idea (laughs) that I would be the next, we'll say Miss Smith to keep things more anonymous, but Miss Smith was well known at PCC and like the Becca Um, And she like helped develop like the speech curriculum Mm. there. And she, I I got to meet her. I got to work with her lovely person, but my dad had this idea that if, if I'm going to do theater and I'm going to do the Christian service thing, and I'm going to like, you know, be the best of the best. And at first I was kind of like, yeah, that's cool. Cause I like to aspire to big things in Mm -hmm. my crazy mind. Um, (laughs) But then like the more that I was there and understood the weirder it seemed just because, um, it was like, I was just like sent a thousand miles away from home Mm -hmm. and being told like, you're going to go to PCC. You're going to get this degree. You're going to, if, if I am like to take it Mm -hmm. literally, like if I'm going to become Miss Smith, maybe single for the rest of my life, like, you know, working Christian school, we like be stuck at PCC the rest of my life. And I wasn't as (laughs) like, I didn't want to be at PCC, but I was like Mm -hmm. trying really hard to be like a good daughter Uh, and a good student because I was a good like in in um school like I was a good student I wasn't Mm -hmm. like always a straight a student but I was often a straight a student Mm -hmm. and I very much like have that like anything below a c it's like a moral failure right Mm -hmm. yeah so it just kind of like the more I stayed there the more I was like oh I am going to turn into Mrs. Smith oh I am going to be stuck here the rest of my life um so that was I don't know it's just I don't even know where I was going with that, to be honest, (laughs) but, um, it was, 
and in a bit of a culture shock too, because, because I hadn't been homeschooled. Like a lot of my friends had been homeschooled. I knew mm-hmm. people who did a Becca, but I hadn't really like watched the videos or even like flip mm. through textbooks really. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I think there, there was just like big culture shock, but you grin and bear it and you, you do what you have to do to survive. Yeah. <laughs> mm. yes. um, so, um, yeah. How long were you there again at PCC? Six years? Yeah. So I got my, I got my undergrad in speech education. So mm-hmm. secondary speech education, they have this whole thing, <laughs> at least when I was there, a lot of or a few of the teachers would say like, you know, our program is not designed to create theater people. Uh-huh. Their emphasis, like even though there are like dramatic productions and yeah. things, their emphasis is really more on like public speaking. And then I think like a lot of the drama stuff is more catered to like, and that's a thing. Like I, I didn't go through like Christian schools and homeschool. Mm-hmm. So like the forensics programs and yeah. like speech contests that they have, I have like still, even after like going through the entire program, I still don't really like understand mm-hmm. what those are like. Um, yeah. But it's, it's, yeah. So basically the gist was like, if, if I go through with this degree, I get the speech education degree, I'm going to be able to teach speech at a small Christian school mm-hmm. that probably does a Becca. <laughs> and I probably wouldn't even be having like a speech class because uh, a lot of the schools are smaller. So it would be like, I'd be mm-hmm. a history teacher and then maybe run a drama club or, you know, what have you. Yeah. And I was just like, the more and more I, I was, I was going, I was like, this is not at all what I wanted. Um, but then at the same time, like every, every decision they make and everything that they base the program off of, like literally has verses and um, mm. like scripture and, you know, like they, they have like a spiritual reason for everything. that. Oh my do. gosh. So yeah. you can't like, you can't say, I don't agree with that. You know, it's already mm-hmm. like built in yeah. to like the class. Like we do this because X, Y, Z, and that's, you know, the right way to do it. Um, so, mm. <laughs> so yeah. Um, so like what kept you there that long and like what I, made you leave? Sure. So, so, so I did my undergrad there and then I got, um, I was pursuing an MFA in dramatics, which was um, a three-year program. And the way that I kind of <laughs> like figured it in my mind was that since, um, especially at the time that I enrolled it at PCC, it was completely unaccredited. And mm-hmm. I went in knowing that because my church and a family and everyone had like really beat it into, not beat it into me. Yeah, other thing. things maybe they beat into me but not this part um, <laughs> but they just tell you like they, there's like all of this dogma around accreditation and how mm. it, you know accreditation is a government controlling christians and they don't need to tell me how high our ada like water fountains have to be like i remember that example specifically as like a reason why mm. accreditation was bad they'd be like they're gonna they're gonna micromanage us so much they're gonna tell us how high we have mm. to put our our water fountains i'm like isn't that like isn't that an accessibility thing? Shouldn't you want to do that? <laughs> the yeah. Christian love in your hearts? Okay. Um, but there, there, there's such a fear that the government is going to like yeah. control everything. It's interesting. Yeah, because Bob Jones, they're accredited. And yes, mm. they have to deal 
with government things, but religious institutions have learned to keep the government off their backs. Mm-hmm. And, and they do it very carefully because they yes. try to say they want to do it legally. Mm-hmm. And it's very sketchy and tricky and yeah Ugh, yeah yeah bob jones do they there there are things i know they don't follow with what mm. they're supposed to be doing um and so i'm just trying to think of examples of this um with the accreditation there um what was it oh it slipped my mind but anyways we'll keep going yeah <laughs> um um so i think it was the end of my freshman year that Mm -hmm. Dr. Horton like showed up in a chapel, which was kind of rare at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, He's older and um, he announced that they were um, pursuing tracks accreditation Mm -hmm. and it was wild. (laughs) Like people, like there was like an explosion of like, Mm -hmm. like clapping and all this stuff. And it was just kind of bizarre because for all my life, I had been told that accreditation is evil, but Mm -hmm. now, you know, now, I guess God told Arlen that it was a good thing. And I, I, they explained it, you know, like they, they wanted to have like oversight Mm -hmm. as it like transitions to the new presidency or whatever, but it's like, where was the oversight before then? You know, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, but, um, yeah, so got the accreditation, but even like, it's still Na- it's national accreditation instead of regional accreditation yeah so it's not the accreditation that like no. most universities mm-hmm. have it's so not ba- legit still exactly yeah. exactly <laughs> well okay so i found out that the um the, the, oh, the, the, the nurse program oh oh the nurse yeah the nurse program was like always accredited it was always accredited yes mm-hmm. I, I know certain things there. yeah <laughs> um yeah, and I think I want to say there was like um, an engineering degree or something yeah. that got accredited a little earlier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Um, but overall, the whole college is not like regionally accredited. There are certain things there that are, but um, as a whole, the it's still just national. And mm-hmm. I remember just hearing that you know if you had, I don't know, maybe maybe they've changed it, but I know I just remember that being told that if you went to Pensacola for education, you could only teach in a Christian school. Is that still true? Um, as far as I know, that is still true. I think at Bob Jones, we have societies. Is that what y'all called them too? Or was it something else? Is that, is that like the um, like Greek life? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we call them collegians. Oh, that's and right. I hated collegians. Oh, I hated societies at Bob Jones. Oh, fuck. It was so annoying. They like they. All right, everyone, we are back for take five because Zoom is just fucking with us tonight. But that's okay. We're gonna get done with this interview. It's the last thing we do (laughs) on this godforsaken fucking planet. Anyway, I love this energy. Okay. (laughs) So we were talking about different like activities and spiritual religious experiences and we were talking about greek life and you're talking about collegians that they call them there at bob jones it's society so tell me about the collegians and stuff you would do and why you hated it so much oh gosh so um it was really fun like they would put on this like big parade and um 
we would sometimes they would even like hire outside performers to be in the parade and it was kind of nuts because they would allow things that usually they wouldn't allow right mm -hmm. so for example one year my collegian hired like a fire breather and he had dreads and he was like wearing oh. like ripped t-shirt and jeans oh my it was wild Ooh. i think he might have even had an eyebrow piercing oh my gosh it's wild out here somehow the campus did not erupt into flames mm. um yeah. I mean, he was very good with his fire. It wouldn't have been his fault. It would have been, you know, punishment for having such a flagrant sinner on campus. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It was just like really fun. And and um, there would be fun themes and free food and gifts. to like everyone's trying to get the freshmen to join their collegian. Mm -hmm. um, and but the thing is, like, you are required, or at least you were, I think they might have changed it now, but you were required to mm -hmm. join one. Yeah. So took a little bit of the fun out of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, mandated fun, right? Um, but because essentially, like, you would have chapel Monday through Friday, and then Wednesdays, it would alternate since Wednesdays, we would have night church, um, instead mm -hmm. of putting us in like another chapel they would have like um sometimes it was a class meeting where you get like all of the freshmen would get together and have like a meeting all of the sophomores mm -hmm. um or it would be um student body mm -hmm. which was always a lot of fun it was like the student body president and secretary and all those people um and they would basically just put on skits for us i don't really think they had any powers as president and and things like that i think they just got to meet with the administration more <laughs> and yeah. entertain us mm -hmm. but they were like the the popular good looking yeah. like good um uh like in good standing with the college like who yeah. everyone should want to be right mm -hmm. and there were elections and things but you had to like be approved through like mm -hmm. student life and everything to yeah be considered but but and then so then on the other days we would have other wednesdays we would have collegiate meetings so it was usually twice a month mm -hmm. and um it was just it was just boring yeah and mm -hmm. every, no one wants to be there the ones that do are really gung-ho and super annoying <laughs> <laughs> it's just like it was kind of like a glorified um prayer meeting i guess like we, oh, we would have yes. prayer group at night mm, every same. night we had prayer group and um with like the people in your room and your suite and then like the next like it could be like five or six rooms in your hall you'd all get together and, and pray and sing and like do a dual devotion together and it's basically kind of that's what collegian was like except you also had the opportunity to sign up for intramural sports <laughs> <laughs> like that's it and then also they would like you had the option to buy overpriced merchandise with fake like greek groups oh. I, mine was alpha gamma rho which i found out um is actually like an existing um fraternity and it's like actually like an African-American fraternity. Oh, that's so awkward. Um, but yeah, we were the Alpha Gamma Rho <laughs> Flames. <laughs> and people made fun of us because we were the Flames. Hmm. Um, because there are like, you know, homosexual jokes you can make about. Oh, that's right. That's so, right. <laughs> so then my junior year, they actually like, and we were the, I was actually, yeah, the Flames, we were the original um, collegian. So like when the college was founded, mm -hmm. or I, I don't know if they had it right away or if it was like a couple of years after it was founded, but we were like the first female 
Collegian. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've been the Flames for a long time, since like 1974 or something, I want to mm-hmm. say. Um, yeah. But they finally changed it. And we ended up becoming the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the Phoenixes, apparently. The Phoenix. The Phoenix. Say. The Phoenix. It's only one, supposedly. Um, but they also gave us other things to choose from that were also problematic, like the Aztecs. Are you um, or different groups like that? Yeah, <laughs> it is so hilarious how these colleges are just so out of touch yeah. with just lingo and slang. Okay, so for Bob Jones, like people call it the BJ. Oh, BJU. Mm-hmm. How's the mm-hmm. BJ? And I'm like, shut the fuck up. Oh my god, mm-hmm. stop. Like it's almost like sometimes I feel it's like the people in charge are playing jokes on the people they control to see like if you can point this out you're a sinner you're a sinner exactly exactly yes. so it's like how long can we make them do these ridiculous things that everyone else perverted. is gonna make fun of them for uh, mm-hmm. yeah wow mm. yeah but yeah collegians were awful i was a president my senior. oh you're like hey everyone i, I didn't want it i it. didn't want it it was so bad i hate collegians <laughs> how big was your collegian it was um, I don't know. They're they're all like I think they all end up being the same size because how many um, were there? I'm curious because this is a pretty big oh school gosh. for a Christian college. Yeah. So upwards of 20, I want to say, for the women. Mm. Probably like 20 and 20. It sounds about okay. right. I could yeah. I don't know where my yearbooks are right now, but I can fact check that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. No, it's interesting because Bob Jones, we would some of them would have like a hundred or more, some of them would have like 20 at the least sometimes 50 mine started out at like 20 then it got down to like 10 Mm. Um, (laughs) well and I guess like the men's collegians they got in like they would do wild things so the men actually from what I understand like they all had like a staff member to oversee their meetings Mm. because they would do stuff like um like seeing father Abraham and get really rowdy oh yeah like (laughs) hmm or my dad, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, sorry, at BGU, they would have issues with people like punching holes into walls oh. or different things like that. Yeah. Or breaking oh, walls. Gosh. Yeah. From like wrestling and shit. So oh, if that, yeah. if that happens, like they automatically like charge the society money oh. for that. And it's interesting because I think they give each society a certain amount of money anyway. So they'll just take it from that. <laughs> Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, from yeah. Like their budget. Yeah. Yeah. I know my dad likes to tell a story of like when he was there and they like kind of hazed all the freshmen mm. and they told them that they were like going to make them eat uh, a gold, like live goldfish. Oh, and they gross. blindfolded them all. And then, um, like, because they had like, like live goldfish and they like, you know, whatever. They're like, no, oh, we're going to make you eat it. But they end, they end up blindfolding, blindfolding them. And then like, making them swallow like a peach um like a canned peach wedge okay whole, and like they thought it was goldfish and it was like the funniest thing ever i the men at pcc live a completely different life than the women <laughs> like, it's oh, I'm sure. we would never think about doing anything like that so we oh, didn't have any like staff oversight um but also it was just so so boring <laughs> but yeah i ended up being president the one year and I think it's just because one of my best friends had been the president before and she mm-hmm. was dropping out and she like nominated me and everyone liked mm. her. And I think I was, I was a speech major. So they thought maybe I would make it more fun than like the other people who were running, oh, mm-hmm. but 
yeah, it was, it was, I hated collegiate. <laughs> <laughs> we did get to go like on outings, mm-hmm. like once, once yeah. a semester, but like you still had to pay for it. So I only ended up going to one of them. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, it could, like, it could be fun, but you would have to like join the right one, I think too um because some of them are really popular but they fill up really fast because there's only so many Mm, spots so i got you i know i never got involved with my collegiate shit like maybe a little freshman year but like i generally hated it too and for me my attitude was like you know what if i don't have to go then i'm not gonna go yeah (laughs) for me and like my society was a lame ass one and like i purposely picked the lamest society so i wouldn't i wouldn't have to get involved like yeah. no, no one on campus knew who we were when I would tell people mm. like what's your society I'm like I'm from the wolves You're like what I, th- I feel like that's we had there was a girls collegian called like the patriots oh awkward, and that was yeah. kind of like oh okay Ew. everyone Ew. I remember everyone wanted to be in the dolphins the dolphins were really popular mm. and then Oh man, there's another one that was like really popular that I remember everyone wanted to go. The Gator, yeah, the Gators. I'm sorry. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, they just keep teasing y'all with these different names. I know. Because <laughs> like the men, my... be, the men were like the Twisters, and we we're like we're patriotic. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> oh, it's interesting because Bob Jones, there's there's a society called Omega mm. and they emphasize that Omega or whatever, Omega, oh. it's, it's that kind of stuff. It's mm. just, for some reason, it's the, the society that all the gay people join or whatever, or they slip in there, a few of them. It's just interesting because it was a very stuck up society. Mm. <laughs> they mm-hmm. always wore these, they, they all wore the same outfits. It really had a cult kind of atmosphere around it like it was a cult within a cult really (laughs) oh yeah yeah yeah. and they would all have these like little suits and these like black and yellow ties they would all wear and like they were the they would win a lot of things they would always like raise the most money for like bible conference they would always try to be the best at everything and they usually Mm. um and like if people were like they're at an event and people would stand up and clap they just would sit there and not clap or just not get involved to be stuck Um. up or cunts or something so yeah. It was interesting. It's funny because, like, looking back, I was like, I would have loved to join that. Because <laughs> I feel like a lot of the people just didn't want to fuck with anyone and not be there. Mm. You know what I mean? I and just like, wanted like an extra 45 minutes to nap. <laughs> <laughs> but they wanted us all of the dorm. So they had like time oh. to like go through our rooms and like yeah. fix maintenance things and oh, things. So, gosh, yeah. I mean, that's at least part of it, but yeah, got you. Yeah, I know. For like from my society, like I was saying, I never wanted to get involved at all, and like it was fine. No one gave a shit. No one literally. They would have things you would sign up for, and they'd be like, "Hey, y'all! Like, literally, only this, only the leaders have signed up for this activity." <laughs> and I'm just like trying not to laugh when they announce this. And eventually, I feel like there's always that one person who wants to like revive the dying group or the dying pack or something Mm. I'm gonna make a difference and it's like I think people like that are great I'm like that but they just couldn't read the room (laughs) yeah yeah they just couldn't read the room you just need to know when people just don't give a shit and don't want to get involved just fuck off yeah they did they they don't know their target audience (laughs) no or they're ignoring the needs of their target audience 
yes the and like, desires they, this person tried to revive it and like this person would go out of their way to like approach every single person in the society like do you want to get involved and they literally went to me he's like this guy came up to me he's like oh i i never really see you andrew um I, he was like I, I see you at the meetings I'm like yeah because I have to go like yeah <laughs> I was a cunt I'm like I, I'm I was, gonna get the merits if I'm not here so, so <laughs> and he was like and then it was just in the fakest way he was like are you okay and I was just I stood there and I was like yeah I'm great mm-hmm. <laughs> so good and I'm like Oh my God. It's like, I really would like to see you at activities now. Just make some dumbass excuse. Um, but it was just annoying towards the end. Like, I really thought about changing society as my senior year because I was so sick of this dude, which is so annoying. Oh, yeah. This dude even called me out at the end of one of the meetings. I was on my phone on Instagram because I was so bored and I was so done with it. And it was like during the like worship songs that I didn't give a shit about. And mm-hmm. we were singing like sing three songs so dry and so at the end of the meeting he approached me and like I was like great I was like what are you gonna say he's like he's like yeah he's like I noticed Andrew and like for some reason I was also I had a leadership position I was what was I I can't remember anyways I had some kind of leadership position and this guy comes up to me he's like Andrew he's like I saw that you were on Instagram during worship he's like that doesn't look good as a leader like what does that mm. send? Why were you doing that? Kind of like that spiritually. You're like, what's wrong with you? You're saying yeah. you're not dedicated. Mm-hmm. And I was, and anyway, so he said, so he said, how do you feel about that? I'm like, I'm fine. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so he's like, oh, he's like, well, I wouldn't like you to do that anymore. I'm like, okay. And as in the most fake, sort of like, have a great day. And I just keep smiling. I don't react because I know the tactics that these people use the shame, mm-hmm. the guilt to put you in place. I'm like, fuck your dick. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Like, no. And after that, he knew not to fuck with me. Mm-hmm. Like the energy I give up, <laughs> like, honey, please don't. You're very the opposite of me. I'm very like fun and perfect and whatever yeah. they want. And the so. interesting thing is like, I used to be like that, like mm. so much. But as I, especially my senior year, that my senior year of college was when I just became the bitch. I just mm. didn't care. Like I would wear my earbuds during chapel. I would like be reading a book during chapel or doing whatever, not caring um going into the dorm late because I didn't give a shit because I had access to the dorm <laughs> is it like, yeah, giving me anxiety just like the, if I did any of those things like, CC, uh, like I, would, I would skip church all the time um mm. I would wear the wrong clothes like before we like I would wear like jeans or whatever before five or oh yeah and stuff like yeah. that um what else did I do did you because you got to go whatever to whatever church you wanted to right or like not a, really they had a list of what you were a, a list of church but you still got to pick yeah mm-hmm. yeah pick which that's one. still which, a moment we because we had to go to the campus, campus. church oh I know yeah. that was a big turnoff to me how you couldn't really it, you were like on campus arrest at PCC Basically. really and so I was like I am not dealing with that and like oh gosh but my, my oldest brother went there and loved it um but yeah tell me more about your experiences at Pensacola and the different things there um so what about discipleship groups how was that for you um mm, or like prayer group whatever they call them yeah prayer group um prayer group 
was again boring yeah <laughs> but like sometimes it was nice like if you if you got along with your roommates and your sweet mates and you um like there were times where it like felt really spiritually rewarding and uh-huh. refreshing um but then a lot of times it could be really awkward my first prayer group oh my oh. first prayer group so it was the summer of my freshman year right mm-hmm. and they were a little more lax with prayer groups during the summer. I think we only had them a couple nights a week instead of like every night. Mm-hmm. But um, my roommate, one of my roommates was the prayer leader. Mm-hmm. So like, there's a very like strict hierarchy throughout the college, like even the students, right? You've got like within the rooms, there's either a prayer leader or an assistant prayer leader. But then within like your prayer group of rooms, which could be like probably like five or six rooms, like one of them is going to be the prayer leader who's like mm-hmm. in charge of like the prayer group, but they're also in charge of like spiritual concerns for anyone in the rooms. Mm-hmm. So like, there's supposed to be someone like you can feel comfortable going to and talking. Woo! Oh no. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, someone that you could feel safe going to. And like, if you needed like someone to pray with or something like just on your heart you want you know someone who is more mature really it was someone that like student life picked who they knew would like turn people in and like write people up for things that they were supposed to be turning people in for and writing people up for Mm -hmm. so um and then and then after that like every um floor (laughs) Andrew every floor um had floor <laughs> leaders that's what we called them until oh. they made accreditation and then we had to call them ras oh that's so funny i don't I know, know if it's wow. related because you know correlation is not equal causation but it's a yeah. pattern. like it's something i noticed i don't yeah, know but, interesting. Um, yeah. yeah and then the prayer leaders like they were paid to write people up <laughs> yes so um yeah and that was fun like um I did I did pretty well for the most part not racking up demerits somehow mm-hmm. but I mean like I really did like I didn't try to break the rules mm-hmm. I was very afraid to because I was all yeah. alone like yeah I didn't have a car um mm, same until you're, mm-hmm. until you're 21 if you're a girl you weren't allowed to leave campus by yourself uh, um freshman year you had to have at least two other girls with you and then after yeah. your freshman year it could be oh my god oh, no. <laughs> I fell down. <laughs> yeah, you can situate it if you want to wait a sec. That's all good. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. I have to not be so... Okay. <laughs> Do you want to, like, put a book in front of it or something to hold it up? Is there something? Or... I'm going to use Builders of the Dream. Uh, <laughs> the book about Becca and, or, and uh, Arlen and Becca Horton and how they uh, created this great ministry and it isn't at all propaganda. Okay. Uh, <laughs> now, after that ad, let's get back right? to the interview. <laughs> um, what was I even talking about? <laughs> You're talking about like prayer group and... Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the prayer leaders. So... Um, the RAs, they were the ones that were gonna like stand at the doors every morning to make sure girls were like wearing modest clothing. <laughs> um, they would be the ones standing at the door on Sundays, making sure everyone was wearing pantyhose. 
And there, I, I did not try to like get away with not wearing pantyhose until my senior year. Mm -hmm. And I only got, I only got away with it twice or like, I only had the courage to do it twice, but Mm -hmm. there was only one time I got stopped for not wearing Uh pantyhose and I was wearing pantyhose. Oh, of course. And I was like, I had to like pull it from my leg. I was like, no, look, my skin does not do that. This is pantyhose. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, But they're also the ones like, um writing you up if you didn't do your room job every morning or make your bed every morning or you know if you get found with headphones (laughs) or whatever it is yeah so it's just very Mm -hmm. controlled yes very there is like a spirit of like fear to an extent oh yeah because like you're um they changed it while I was there again I think it kind of correlated with the accreditation process Mm -hmm. but it used to be you had like 150 demerits would get you kicked out yeah and if you got less than 50 demerits in a semester then they would send like a letter to your parents Uh um letting you know that like you were a good student and we called them good girl and good boy letters (laughs) and actually I worked in the secretarial pool so I got to print them off sometimes and mail them out (laughs) so (laughs) that was funny yeah Um, but yeah like and um and then even like chapel, they had like row leaders who were in charge of like. I heard people. about this. Yeah, my, so if my you brother met one of his best friends. Like he was a row leader. It was so interesting because yeah. like they didn't have uh-huh. that at Bob Jones, which I was mm. so glad, or I would have gotten in trouble so much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like during chapel, the row leaders in charge of like I want to say it's like fifteen yeah. to twenty students, and they just like will write you up if if you weren't like paying attention if you were like oh on your phone God. if you fell asleep if you didn't have your bike like I don't know like yeah and then like sometimes they would get like they would get kind of in trouble too like if they weren't writing people up yeah. then they would be talked to by student life like why aren't you doing your job you know and like well everyone's um, perfect here so yeah <laughs> yeah but my um and then that was also also too like I I I did not like chapel because they like randomly assigned your seating and there's like a couple times per semester that it would switch but like so Mm -hmm. it was just like really awkward because you're like sitting by people like and I already like have anxiety and a social anxiety issue Mm -hmm. and so just like but I I worked in the secretarial pool so one of my jobs was um collecting like the chapel notes from the administration Mm -hmm. after chapel every day so I actually for the first for almost, I, I want to say almost my whole first freshman year, and I think part of my sophomore year, I sat in seat A1 every day. And I, I got my own hymnal because that one had its like own hymnal, like yeah. on the seat. And I didn't have to share it with anyone, which was good because there's this weird thing about hymnals. Because if mm. you were a woman and you got an any, okay, if you share that that songbook with someone who has an Audi and you're <laughs> holding it with them, then you're basically engaged. Oh my God. And, and <laughs> I, I love like, any and Audi. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's like, it's like this unwritten rule that if you're a girl, you don't hold the hymnal with the guy unless mm, you're like dating. Mm-hmm. Ooh. So, I can, then, I and if, to- sorry, I could totally see some like mean girls looking. Oh my gosh. Do you see Jeremy and Tracy together holding a hymnal? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes, that's what Sunday meals would be like sometimes. <laughs> like that? if you're with the right oh people, my like gosh. my friends didn't really care about it, but like yeah, some people like really took it seriously. And <laughs> and I made 
I started like purposefully just holding it because I had it. It also bothered me because they really wanted the men. They were like telling the men sometimes in chapel, like hold it, wait a couple seconds and hold the door open for a woman if you see them coming behind you. And I like, it just pissed me off. It's like, I, I know I have an innie, but I have working arms. My arm will not break if I press, if I press on the press door, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so I would like try to like make a purpose to like, if a guy was holding the door open from me, I would literally like walk over to the next door sometimes. Oh, like, that's so funny. Toxic masculinity right now. Yeah. And I started like holding, um, like my side of a hymnal and mm-hmm. dude it made some of my chapel buddies very uncomfortable <laughs> oh my god wow <laughs> but yeah so so that that was my favorite chapel experience was just getting to sit in a1 having my own hymnal <laughs> mm, yes oh my okay yeah, it was interesting because like my first year at Bob Jones, they did have a signed seating. Like you would be in a certain seat for so many weeks mm. or maybe it was a semester, then you would change next semester. And then they finally changed it to where you can sit wherever you wanted, finally, as the college years went on. Um, but I just, yeah, oh my God. Like I just, mm. thankfully I didn't have like the row monitor thing. Um, but chapels, they were, oh my God, everyone hated chapel um at Bob I mean most people at Bob Jones did yeah Um, for a long time when I was at PCC they were between pastors for the campus church mm -hmm. so Dr. Mullinex who was the vice president he was like the interim pastor Mm -hmm. sleep everyone asleep yeah Sundays chapel Wednesday Oh, what a trial. What a oh, trial the Lord put us through with that one. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, like a very kind mm-hmm. man. Everyone yeah. liked him, but it was just he he's not like a, a exciting preacher at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I know at Bob Jones, whenever Bob Jones the third is still alive and he lives on campus. Mm-hmm. And everyone hated it when he taught because he's a he's a fundy preacher, he uses shame, fear, and guilt. And a lot of chapel mm-hmm. sermons without him are like that anyways. Um, but they were just very, even more backwards, if that makes sense. Um, I remember he like had this whole sermon on, you should dedicate your life to the ministry and be a preacher. And then the women sitting there are like, well, we're not allowed to do that. Why the fuck? And uh, I'm sure yeah. we, have, we have another sermon. You're supposed to be a wife, submit to your husband, <laughs> like all this stupid shit. But yeah. Um, so what made you leave Pensacola? What happened? So, um, okay, I kind of led into this earlier and got distracted. Me good. distracted? Never. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, my logic was because of the accreditation issue and because mm-hmm. like, even though I got a degree in secondary education, I could not go and teach at a, a regular school. And I refused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because like I, especially like my senior year, I really was like, I can't keep up pretending anymore mm-hmm. because it's just like you, you kind of compartmentalize like inside yourself, this, like the part that absorbs all of the things they want you to be. And all these mm-hmm. things, you know, you have to repeat and all yeah. of the, the, the ways you have to act mm-hmm. and 
but like, then you have like your wise mind, <laughs> right? Who's like, yeah. no, this is who I really am and what I really think. And especially when you're a child having that dissonance, yeah, it's really hard to stick up for yourself and say, this is what I believe. It's hard mm-hmm. to kind of, after so long, mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to parse what what is you and what is oh, the college, yes. I know what, what is mean. the church. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so basically senior year was kind of rough for me, but I I had gotten fired and so I wasn't- Oh no, in, why? I'm curious. Uh, long story. <laughs> oh no, it okay. Was, it, like I'm not a perfect person, right? I, I was fired and I think it was the correct decision, but it also wasn't completely my fault, but that's like a mm. whole other story for another time. Okay. But basically my senior year, I wasn't able to be in the work program anymore. And that really is like, again, everything is so like, this is what you're doing. So it mm. must be God's will for you. This is what we're telling you to do. So it is God's will for you. Uh-huh. You, you know, like if you're a student here, it is God's will for you. So you need to stay. If you're in the mm-hmm. work program, it's God's will for you to be the perfect worker and yeah, all the pressures and all the questions and yeah. being so isolated um, really took its toll. And I made mm-hmm. a bad decision, um, oh. but, but the college knew that they made a, dis- a bad decision or they made mistakes. Mm-hmm. And so they let me back in. Yeah. And I kind of felt like I had to prove myself, like prove that I wasn't a bad person and prove Mm. that like, yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, if, if I stay and get accepted into the MFA program, then I will know that I've kind of been redeemed Mm. because like it would, it was not just the grad program. It was the, um, the graduate assistant program. So I would be living on campus working Mm -hmm. like 30, 35 hours a week, but basically like a Becca was going to pay for my mm. degree. Yeah. Um, so, so it seemed, you know, like I got this weird degree that's not really accepted. Maybe if I get the advanced version, you know, maybe if I get this terminal degree, then maybe outside of this bubble, mm. people will accept mm. it as a regular bachelor's degree. I don't know how anything works. Let's go with it. And I kind of like felt like, you know, I'd redeemed myself. I'd been forgiven by the college. All was well. Um, but it just like, it just, it, it was kind of like, the, the floodgates had opened and even though I was like I was purposely trying so hard to be like the ideal PCC thing right to be like my my dad wanted to be the next Mrs. Smith <laughs> Mrs. <laughs> Smith or whatever like yeah being who my my speech teachers wanted me to be and my bible teachers wanted me to be yeah. and my roommates wanted mm, me to be and the yeah. pastor so I think it just all took its toll and things kind of splintered and then shattered and grad school is really where things started deconstructing for me I think um I kind of always been like growing up like doing like the devotionals I remember getting angry sometimes because I thought the questions that they asked were so stupid it was like insulting to my intelligence yes Mm -hmm. and like just like some things are really weird right because like my my church was really big into like end time prophecies and like Jack Van Van Impey and stuff and I remember like um, my pastor's wife would keep this back table in the, um, the auditorium filled with these weird um, like pamphlets and brochures 
um, from like Hepzibah House, or I think some of them from like IBLP and like just like different yeah. groups that were like, why women shouldn't wear pants and why Disney is secretly, you know, turning your kids gay. And, you know, why Y2K is really going to be the end of the world or whatever it is, like crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> sorry, Kevin shut the door and now I lost where I was. Um, you're out deconstructing oh, and you're talking about the yes, pamphlets of the church. Yeah. So, yeah. So I always like questioned growing up, but I wanted, like, mm-hmm. I still believed. And like, mm-hmm. that's so hard for some, especially people who are in it right now Mm. that's so impossible for them to comprehend which boggles my mind Mm -hmm. but at the same time when I was there too like I didn't see it as I was deconstructing I saw it as I was sinning because I was doubting yeah uh you know so yeah um but grad school was nice because I didn't have like undergrad we had like a bedtime of 11 p.m and if you we're not in bed. If the lights were not off, if you had your phone out, if, you know, if you were doing homework, you were going to be written off. Mm-hmm. And, um, in grad school, you know, no bedtime, mm-hmm. um, no rules about like, you know, leaving campus. I could even go off campus with guy GAs now Ooh. without having to like fill out paperwork or get a chaperone. Yeah. Um, so it was like a whole different world. I also got to use headphones Oh wow! Um, which was amazing <laughs> <laughs> and especially for me I have like very um like sensitive hearing so I had trouble sleeping a lot mm. when I was sharing a room with like four or with three other girls yeah. and I actually my senior year I finally got so sick of it I brought headphones and mm. I would listen to white noise so I could sleep because yeah. there were nights that I like literally could not sleep and I would cry and I would pray all night like God uh, if there is like a hidden like I, I just like figured that God must be keeping me from sleeping because of some secret sin in my life yeah. so I would cry and pray all night like God I don't know what it is I've confessed everything I can think of just please let me sleep but I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> and so I tried the white noise thing, which helped immensely. But then mm-hmm. I got caught and I got demerits and they got Did you tell them why it didn't matter. They, oh. I didn't even bother to tell them why. Um, and yeah. I also didn't realize that it, like, like I have like um, sensory issues mm. and mm-hmm. that never occurred to me, you know, like anything sensory wise that bothered me if I reacted I was just told I had an attitude problem and like uh, was sinful and yeah whatever anyways mm, yeah <laughs> um so headphones was a plus um also I at that like I finally got my own cell phone and I mm. got an unlimited data plan so oh, I got nice. to use like the unfiltered wi-fi mm, which let me yes. tell you something Oh my gosh, they censored the crap out of the internet. I was studying speech, like theater, mm-hmm. right? If yeah. I was working on a project, it was so hard for me to find like sources on the internet because if, if you w- would try mm-hmm. to go to the link and it would say blocked and then mm-hmm. it would give you a reason and the reason would literally say arts and culture. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Mm, I'm getting, I'm like going all the place, but this is, this is a fun one. Okay. So there's in, when I was there, one of the big buildings, the Dale Horton auditorium, they had these big portraits of Arlen and Becca Horton, the founders of the college. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Well, one day I got curious. So I looked up the artist who did the paintings and I found the website. It was not blocked for arts and culture, mm. which, you know, makes sense. It's like, oh, it's the artist who like, you know, did these PCC famous yeah. um, portraits, like huge portraits. And there were, I was like, just like looking through his website to see other stuff he did. And there was like a tab that was like figure drawings. I didn't know what that was. I clicked on it and it was not blocked. And there were just like nude people. And for like a month, I was so afraid that student life was going to found out that I had looked at porn <laughs> on the campus Wi-Fi. Oh, that was horrible, but a fun one. Thank you for that. Yeah, um, I can, I can totally see them like bring you in like and like at Bob Jones, I've heard that they'll actually print out the material and they'll put it in front mm. of you. And I can tell you them like, so Ashley, how does this make you feel? Like the figure drawings, you're like, <laughs> my bad. I'm repressing a lot of things. So <laughs> right now it's just making me feel really awkward. Oh, <laughs> uh, gosh. But yeah, so now I could look at porn anytime I wanted to from the comfort of my <laughs> But no, no, it was like, it was like just to even like, binge watch a show on the yeah. weekend like I like um that 70s show and how I met your mother like I ha I watch those shows all the time um but it, so it was a much different experience there's also like they 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 really wanted the undergrads to call the grad students miss or mister mm. um to like kind of reinforce the the hierarchy I think you know, yeah. because even as a grad student and a lot of grad students, including myself, we got like um, work assignments to be actual chaperones. So like our job would just mm -hmm. be go out and write people up who were breaking the rules or yeah. like literally walking on the wrong sidewalk at the wrong time of day. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but. Yeah. <laughs> there was a reason I went there, but I can't remember. I don't know. Anyway, so like, um, tell me, like, how did you leave PCC? I know, like, you tell me why. Like, you just felt like you had to be this person that you weren't, and like, it sounds like you had to be. You were like the PCC poster child until like that one incident, and then you like had to like. Well, you know yourself. what? I was trying. <laughs> I was trying really hard to be, but they were just like, um, especially in the speech program, things I got along with pretty much all of the speech people there are some people who are really annoying and I just like yeah. grin and bear it you know um but there was still like always this not always but often like very competitive you know mm -hmm. and yeah. it was kind of hard to like who do I get close to and who do I not get close to and I uh, mm -hmm. already have issues with relationships in general so um I, I was really bad, like I was really great at like the classwork and the theater work and doing the job, but like, like eating the meal with them or like in grad school, sometimes they would like go to like steak and shake after or something. Mm. And I like, I just couldn't, I never understood why really, but like, I was just like, it's, I can't, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then like, they would have like parties sometimes too, like, you know, like a teacher might invite mm -hmm. everyone over and yeah. they're going to like watch a Christmas part, like movie like the Grinch or something you know yeah. something G rated or not rated because that's all we were supposed to watch <laughs> <laughs> um but but and and even if I want like sometimes I wanted to go because I kind of like 
I did enjoy, like, I liked a lot of the, the other speech people and got along with them one-on-one, but it's just like group settings really hard mm. for me, unless yeah. I was like speaking in front of a group, you know, I'm fine with that, but yeah. like being myself with other people is really hard. Yeah. Mm. And the social aspect is an important part of the program and also theater just in general, like it's yeah. about networking and who, you know, and who, you know, um, so I feel like there are things I didn't really, even though I was trying so hard to be like ideal, like there are things I never really did that mm-hmm. kind of made me feel like I really wasn't the ideal speech person. Like uh-huh. um, once a month, they had like a special Sunday program called Vespers that would be like um, sacred music and um, like reader's theater performance Mm-hmm. style performance stuff about like yeah. scripture or just like like spiritual stories and it was nice because you know it was a lot more interesting than sitting through like another um sermon for the millionth time yeah. mm-hmm. um, but it was still kind of like kind of a pain um but I was like I was never invited to perform in that but like nearly mm. every other speech person yeah. was there was a, I think when I when I was in grad school they made like a new um promotional video for the college that like literally all the speech people were in but but I didn't know anything about it so oh, it's just like awkward. these like little things and I was a lot more interested in the technical side of theater too mm. rather than the performance yeah. but um but I still like to perform yeah. um I also felt like as a plus size woman it was an, another barrier um because oh, yeah. their costuming mm-hmm. wasn't really um accommodating yeah. the first production that i was at because you had to like be in a production yeah. um to fulfill requirements and the first production that i was in um they i wrote on the form like on my audition form i'm a size 18 one eight so we get to the costume fitting and the costumers were like, okay, I mean, this is to be fair, this is like student production and not yeah. because they actually have like a, a costume department mm-hmm. at the college who's on the payroll. Um, but this was like the student production, but still I said mm-hmm. I was size 18. The biggest they had was a 10 and they uh, freaking gave me 10s. They were like, you can try this on. I was like, <laughs> no, I can't. So they had me walk like, I, I had to like in order to try the costume on I had to like go out this weird door down the hall past like art classrooms into this mm. bathroom put the costume on and then walk back and have mm-hmm. them look at it well I couldn't because I'm a size 18 trying to stuff myself into a size 10 because they yeah. told me I could do it even though I told them I couldn't and we went back and forth a few times they were like well this 10 looks bigger this one's an eight but it looks really big for an eight just trust us and try it on after like the fourth time I like didn't even care I like left my clothes in the bathroom. I'm like hanging out, (laughs) like clothes falling off me. I'm walking past like classrooms with art students in them. And I walk in there and I'm finally like, hi, I am a size 18. I do not fit in a size 10. Do you believe me now? And then, yeah. And then I waited until like the day before opening night to get a costume. And it was kind of like the one costume that every plus size person would Mm. get. It was just like this white blouse and Mm. like a blue um, checked skirt that was kind of like, Reminds me of Dorothy, the way you're saying. Oh, yeah. It was was like a dark blue, though, like a navy. Um, But it was kind of like 
ambiguous enough that it could like fit in many different like time periods Mm -hmm. so it just kind of like this became the fat girl costume oh no um so that was like a whole other thing but there's a lot of like weird things in the theater program in general but um Mm -hmm. yeah um so so yeah I I'm I'm glad that you think I was a poster child (laughs) I feel like I was just trying really hard to be Mm-hmm. and it was never really good enough um, um yeah but you know I did have I mean I have a lot of good memories still like there's little things but um, little, yeah. yeah overall would not recommend if you're <laughs> interested in theater going yeah um so like tell me about like the day you actually left it all oh what that was like so okay so before I get there <laughs> Let me actually answer the question. You've been asking me for like 50 minutes. Um, <laughs> there was kind of this perfect storm, right? So the MFA program is the Master of Fine Arts degree in Dramatics. And it, the whole, it's a three-year program, which was another aspect that was really difficult for me because I had a lot of friends who stayed for the grad program, but they got two-year degrees, um, especially my friend like with cars. <laughs> so that was difficult for me. Um, because like they're gone communication is already hard because everything is censored I did have my own phone but you know they're out in the real world now they were Mm -hmm. actually working and at Christian schools and churches and things and um so it was just it was hard being alone for that extra year and the the culmination of the project or the degree excuse me was like a, a thesis production that you write and direct and you know design everything um and you had to write it about a famous christian or bible character mm-hmm. and um i knew that i wanted to pick a woman um but i didn't want to do ruth or esther <laughs> because that's what everyone does mm-hmm. so i started looking instead of the bible route it was looking at like famous christians and i it was like the first grad class that i took and it was during the summer and it was a writing class and i did not realize that that writing class was actually like you're gonna start writing your thesis so (laughs) i kind of panicked a little and i didn't i thought i would have more time to think about it and like pick and um I ended up just like going through textbook, like a back of textbooks, looking for women. And then I kind of settled on Harriet Beecher Stowe. Um, for one, because she had written music and I thought that was a really interesting element. I kind of had this like artistic vision of like um, picking someone who had written a hymn and then for like the, the music between the scenes, it would be um, like a variation on themes to like fit the mood. And I had a music friend who um, had stayed at PCC and was actually on, fa- I think they're still on faculty at PCA, um, the academy associated with the college, but they had agreed to like help me like write music and stuff. And I thought it was like a really good, like, you know, like um, she wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin. She was an abolitionist. Like she's like a woman that I think Christian women should look up to, right? And also, I think going into it, um, one of the most influential like Broadway shows to Ashley and that got her like into theater was the musical Hairspray. Oh, OK. And I don't know, are you familiar with it? 
I, I am, yes. Okay. I, mean, I haven't seen it, but I'm familiar. Okay. So um, my best friend in church and really like my best friend growing up, her mom um, worked at a university in her town. Mm-hmm. And so she got like really big, really good discounts for um, their, like the university's, um, so Western Michigan University, mm-hmm. and they have Broadway tours come through all the time. So she would get season tickets. And when um, her daughter and I got really close, they started like, um, just like giving me tickets to things. And so like my friend would pick a show that we would see like for Christmas and we'd go see it. And I remember like asking my parents if I could go see it <laughs> because it was still like, there's a lot of like musical theater things that Fundies are okay with. Like I think of like Seven Brides for Seven Brothers for some fucking reason Fundies love that and I hate it. Um, anything like Rodgers and Hammerstein is like okay yeah. to watch, not necessarily to perform in because you'd have to like dance and uh-huh. you have to like get permission to cut out swear words and things from the writers and they don't like to agree to that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's like yeah. a whole other, yeah. Um, but I... I, I wasn't sure how they would feel about like seeing a Broadway production, right? Where there's like actual, like, mm-hmm. it's not just ballroom dancing. It's like, you know, like there could be actual dancing and I don't know, nudity or whatever. And mm-hmm. I, I asked my parents and my mom thought I was asking if I could go see hair, not hairspray. Are you familiar with hair? Because hair <laughs> is definitely one of those shows that's got the nudity and the swearing. And it's, it's like, um, it's anti-war it's you know it's like 1960s um like it's about hippies Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it so that was really fun I'd be like no mom it's I promise it's not about naked hippies it's about (laughs) like the a teenage girl in the 1960s who like helps end segregation in her town Mm -hmm. and um it was it was a, a a a musical that starred a plus size woman. So like, that was mm-hmm. like nice to see representation. Yeah. And it also like, it had a good message, like it's positive and um, it's fun. And the music was fun. And it kind of um, got me and my friend mm-hmm. to start volunteering to be ushers at the community um, theater, which was another bonus because if we did the community theater stuff every now and then on a Wednesday, we might have a rehearsal and we just couldn't go to church on Wednesday night. Oh, darn. <laughs> um but so there was um but yeah like I was kind of thinking like I'm not going to create like the fundy hairspray but I was kind of mm-hmm. like those kind of stories have always been really important to me especially like the fundy culture a lot also like pushes um they really like to talk about the holocaust mm-hmm. and it's important to talk about the holocaust yeah. but it, like when I like read those stories um, I'm thinking about the injustice and the people who mm-hmm. want to end the injustice. And that's what I saw in Hairspray. And that's what I wanted to like focus mm-hmm. on in my thesis. And that became very interesting really quick. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because when I started doing research on Harriet Beecher Stowe mm-hmm. um, and her family and their beliefs I was like oh maybe I shouldn't do this because they believe some things that PCC would not like uh and but then I would bring it up to my um instructor and it's like it's okay you know like you know no one's perfect we get to use artistic (laughs) license um but it's just like things and the things that I wasn't supposed to be like talking about or the things that were really intriguing me Mm. about her story though um so I wanted to like if if I had it my way I would I would have focused on like um 
the, their their feminism mm. and um like their or somehow at least maybe not focus on it but work it in like they were not part of the temperance movement always mm. like at the end of their life they drank alcohol that's not something pcc approved um they were not against abortion that's not pcc approved like all of these things and it became so fascinating to me and um but and then it felt like i was lying in my production to like mm. or just and and just and then eventually um we came so 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 my story basically and it's a horribly written play and i thought about reading it again oh no <laughs> before the like interview just to refresh my memory but i like oh it's so cringy i couldn't even mm. bring it up um but basically like it ended up um being about like her and her um experiences writing uncle tom's cabin and it, i think it, like there's a compelling story there like mm -hmm. they helped some slaves escape in the underground railroad and um there were like um there was like a lot of death going on in the family and like a lot of a lot of opportunity for harriet and her um her mm -hmm. co-stars in the play to like have moments where they could drop to their knees and pray for god you know and there could be like this like really good fundy moment of like how can we make this spiritual and about mm. like trusting god and, and getting saved and things like that like there were multiple places where i could put that stuff in and my advisor loved that about it and then there came a point where um she really want i didn't want to focus on like <laughs> how do i say this um theater you want to show mm -hmm. and not tell as much as you can mm -hmm. right yeah but there were a lot of things that are uncomfortable with uncle tom's cabin and with abolitionism mm. and with slavery and everything so there were some things i was trying to tell instead of show to be mm. more appropriate because i didn't feel right about it um and my advisor um really strongly felt away um mm. about a part of the play and basically um i'm probably gonna tell it wrong because it's been a while but harriet kind of had this like vision that kind of um inspired her to write uncle tom's cabin in the first mm -hmm. place yeah um but, but like before the vision that she talks about about mm -hmm. the play um she like one of her, her <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm like all over the place. Um, it's all good now. Edit this in post. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a part of Harriet's life when she was fairly young. I want to say she was like a, a young teenager mm -hmm. where she and her friends went to visit a family friend um, in, because they are from Connecticut where slavery mm -hmm. was illegal. Um, and they went to, I think it was Kentucky. So where there was slavery and they were visiting a family friend and that family friend took them to a slave auction mm. and they saw, um, she saw like a, a slave and her child be sold to separate people. Mm. And she saw like the mother's hurt and despair as like her, her child was literally taken away from her. Yeah, And I just didn't feel good about having a slave auction in my play. <laughs> 
Yeah. But that's what my advisor wanted. And she had me like open the play with a slave auction. And it was, it just like, didn't feel right to me. I felt like I didn't have, I didn't know how to do it respectfully. Like all that I really had access to was like old movies and things. And even at the time, I mean, things are a lot more, there's a lot more like dialogue going on about race in in theater and just race in general. But um, even at the time, I wasn't feeling like quite right about it. And Mm -hmm. the more I worked, because I'm I'm working on this big project that's going to take me three years. And, Mm -hmm. but up until then, I'm also, um, you know, taking classes and performing in things. And I'm also directing uh, each yeah. semester, I like directed a full production on my own that I also like directed, designed, make the costume, like everything. Mm-hmm. Very busy, busy, busy. And um, the more that I, I worked with them, I really wanted to in, um, be very inclusive because I felt like when I was watching the product, like PCC put on a lot of productions um, throughout the year, but I just like felt like there wasn't a lot of diversity. And and I think. Um, the, the community theater that I mm-hmm. had like a background working in in high school, like they really tried to emphasize diversity. And I, I got an actual feel for like a more diverse group of people there mm-hmm. because I wasn't just with Christians. I was with gay people and, mm-hmm. and black people. And, you know, like all mm-hmm. these people that I didn't really get. Um, to socialize uh, with. Socialize with. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and even at PCC, like, PCC is pretty diverse, but when you think about it at the same time, it's like, it's diverse outwardly, yes, but really their goal is to make everyone this cookie cutter person with mm. the same exact culture. So yeah. really it's diverse on the surface, but they're they're not giving people of color and people, minorities, mm-hmm. even women, like they don't give them the same place at the table. There's not that mm-hmm. equity and inclusion. Yeah. Um, so and that really bothered me and the more that I like was working with the undergrads and I would hear from students that I cast especially black students that um their experiences with the speech program and the productions were not positive and I was told by students of color that some speech faculty had even told them that they should consider changing their major from speech because of their race and because they wouldn't uh. be given, like there wouldn't be um, like productions that they could be in or uh. um, just, 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 yeah, just like to be told that yeah, um, wow. we don't really have roles that you would be <sighs> good in or like, I, it was just horrible and I'm probably not even doing it justice but yeah I I felt worse and worse and and the the more that I went on like the less that I could like really feel good about Uh putting together this essentially piece of propaganda um for the college yeah that started with a slave auction it's like well yeah but you'd be giving students of color an opportunity but that's like students of color actors of color don't need more shows where they are slaves and you know and at the time too Hamilton had come out and that was 
amazing <laughs> for me. Yeah. I didn't get to see it, but I got to listen to the soundtrack because I had like yeah. a cell phone now I could get yeah. on the regular internet. Um, and just like the, all of the things that that did for theater and mm-hmm. for cult, like it became mainstream and it really yeah. made waves in a way that theater hadn't done for a while. And um, that sort of added to it. And I felt like Lin-Manuel Miranda was like trying to talk me out of it sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I also, at the same, the same semester that I left, my, um, it was like, it was supposed to be the second to last semester for me. And it was yeah. so hard. I, like every day I would wake up and I would be like, you only have to do this for X amount of days and then you can leave and never come back. You only have yeah. to do this for so many weeks. Um, you know, after these exams, you want to, you know, you'll only have one more exam or whatever. Um, but I, yeah, it was just hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the last production that I um, did, the, the one I was working on when I left, I actually mounted a production of Fahrenheit 451 Oh wow! Okay. On campus, which is very ironic, uh, if you're aware, yes. because yes, right, because oh. it's about burning books and, and yeah, controlling um, information and controlling information exactly. Yeah. And PCC literally, like at the time I was there, I know that they've made headlines for this since, so I'm not sure if it's still a practice. But while I was there, they would literally take sharpies and electrical tape. And they would censor books and magazines that they had in in oh. their library. Yeah. Um, so I felt like a badass. I'm really not going to lie that I somehow mounted this production. And not only was it like on campus, it was in the Crown Center, which is like the church building. Oh, yes, building, I've been in big, there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was in like the back. The, the, the stage is like huge and it's like yes. a turntable. Uh-huh. I think it takes like eight minutes for it to turn completely. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, like on the back stage, there's like a whole other stage there and they have like productions back there and like rooms and everything. So yeah, I bet that's like my crowning achievement is that like, yeah. I directed a production of Fahrenheit 451 in the church building at PCC and yeah. it did like, I upset people. Yeah. Um, I, for, well, for one thing, I like had a pretty diverse cast uh-huh. and I had staff GAs and faculty come up to me and like say weird things to me like I see what you're trying to do and things like that it was just like it was like I was living in the twilight zone it was like these when because like I thought growing up like the reason that I liked like the stories about um you know people being saved for like from the holocaust and the underground railroad and hairspray yeah. and things like that i thought it's because god and jesus wanted us to be just people and to speak up against injustice and to uh-huh. like to see people to love everyone as, as you know we love yeah. ourselves but the more that i was there the more i realized that that is not what they no. really believe no um they have no interest in in opening up to other cultures and ideas no. they want to put out cookie cutter same same thing and so I also had a lot of trouble too like just communicating with like um the the stage crew um the scene the scene shop because they like they have like the uh costume shop on payroll they also have like um yeah and um you know, Fahrenheit 451, there's fire, I have to have smoke. And I contacted them so many times, like, 
please let's talk about me maybe using <laughs> a smoke machine pretty pretty please or a fog machine yeah. and they like never got back to me but the thing was like i would um and i had actually i'd applied to work in the scene shop multiple times um but they always refused because women were not allowed to work in the scene shop and i always found that so ironic because it's like i'm literally paying you guys right now yeah to learn how to do this professionally I'm paying you so I can literally use the same equipment in the same mm -hmm. shop and use the same skills to put together like, you know, like there's the student productions. Yeah. Like I'm getting a degree in this, but you're telling me that I can't, I can't work in this mm -hmm. department. Okay. But I ended up um, my senior, not senior year as a grad student, um, instead of working secretarial pool, I was working in maintenance in the paint shop. And I often would like go to the scene crew to like get things and, and fix things or whatever. And but anytime I would go in person and talk to them about, it, they were like, oh yeah, email us. And I would email them, but never hear back. And it was really frustrating. And I, mm -hmm. I don't know if there's like a vendetta there against me, but I'm going to count it as one just because I can. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it was a lot. And I feel like I didn't, I had to, I had to censor the script mm. a lot. Um, which was very much against yeah. like the will yeah. of Ray Bradbury. May he rest in peace. Yeah. Um, but I had, yeah, I had to like cut things out to make things PCC approved. I also like, I had to cast Captain Beatty as a woman instead of a man and that upset some people. Um, God forbid a firefighter be a woman. Um, and I, I was pouring everything I had into it <laughs> and it's not, it didn't turn out great I like um at least like I'm proud of what I did mm -hmm. but it's not like my vision you know like so if like uh -huh. one one theater wish list that I have one day maybe is like I would love to mount a production of Fahrenheit 451 uh -huh. that is like actually like uncensored and yeah. <laughs> I could like lean into the, the type of theater wow. that I enjoy yeah. yeah um so that kind of happened and then so once that once my production ended, which I got a lot of great feedback from, like mm -hmm. some students told me it was like, like their favorite production they'd ever seen on campus. Oh, wow. And um, so that was really nice to hear. And I know like art is subjective, so whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but um, after my production, like there were only a couple of weeks left in the semester. Yeah. And um, I met with my teacher um, the week, a week or two after. And like for the class and mm -hmm. he said that my production wasn't good enough um to like meet the requirements and um that I was gonna have to repeat the class and like so which would mean an extra semester mm -hmm. um and it, it, that was kind of like the end for me it was just kind of like mm -hmm. I think I've said my piece <laughs> Yeah. I think that anything that I've done so far, I don't think I'm ever really going to be accepted as like part of like this department or, mm -hmm. um, and I just like, I really didn't feel included in a lot of things anyways. Like, um, but also I was really like done by the, by the end of the semester, I was not going to church, mm -hmm. which I got in trouble. And I, um, I got called to like, student life and had to speak with the dean of men who i uh, guess is also like the dean of the gas yeah um or whatever however it was set up back then um 
and um like basically like they were like you know you, you haven't been filling out your Sunday school attendance because that's what that's what I was doing to get around it for like the first half of the semester not the first half even like after a few weeks um I like I would go to Sunday school fill out the attendance slip and then after Sunday school I'd walk back to my duplex and and then just like skip regular church well eventually I just got tired of even doing that I was like I don't care so I stopped yeah. filling out the slips got in trouble and then had the meeting and then I wrote an amazing letter that said everything that they wanted to hear I took full accountability I told them that I had talked with a friend and got an accountability partner to like work on my bad attitude and all this stuff um and they they were like okay cool and then I like started filling out the slips again and then like during Sunday school and then walking back <laughs> <laughs> it was so like I would um the perform like the performance of Fahrenheit 451 like every performance on campus like starts with prayer mm -hmm. and I'm like standing up there with the microphone I'm like I have to lead these people in prayer and I'm just like I don't believe any of this so I'm just gonna like I it was kind of like um which I guess like if you come if it like goes yeah. down to what's the difference between prayer and witchcraft in the fundy eyes especially like yeah I'm just like saying what I hope will happen. <laughs> so I was just like, dear Lord, thank you so much for bringing everyone here tonight. I know that it was your will for them. I, I don't think I said that, but um, yeah, mm -hmm. they would have loved it if I said it because that's yeah. what they believe. Um, but like, you know, like I hope that the message comes through and that, I don't know. I just like, I don't know. <laughs> it just seemed mm -hmm. like such a joke to like pray before yeah. it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah so it was kind of just like a, a mix of of uh, all these things happening and um there were a few barriers getting back home like i first of all like there's such shame associated with leaving a bible college <laughs> um yeah like i remember um like you know like college students at my church who didn't finish and they would come back and they wouldn't come back to church though you know like they would mm -hmm. fall away and then yeah everyone would be so sad and like you know pray for so and so <laughs> but also don't let your kids around them because you know they're they're worldly now or whatever or I, I knew students who got kicked out or left and they weren't welcome back home because it was mm -hmm. like so just like such a it's like bringing shame not only to you but your family mm -hmm. and your church family yeah um because your testimony is everything and it really creates this toxic perfectionism and that's another thing that really intrigued me when i was studying harry beecher so because she um she also struggled like with victorian perfectionism and she wrote about her depression and her anxiety and her questions and they kind of had an open relationship anyway oh, interesting um, yeah <laughs> there's just like so so many things oh and then also her sister isabella beecher hooker mm -hmm. yeah was a huge like feminist and she's she's like mm -hmm. such a character i kind of fell in love with her um she there's a great story of um in connecticut they their family had bought like this big farm and they were kind of became like this little literary um town almost mm -hmm. in a way and they like they would invite their friends to build houses and um mark twain actually lived there and he hated isabella because she was like nutso like she was super into like 
she was super curious and about um like spiritualism and like um mesmerism and seances so this is this crazy story of like a new year's party with like mark twain getting pissed off at isabella because she yeah. like, claimed to be possessed by like this warlord and i don't know there's some crazy stuff there and it's so fun but it's like i couldn't talk about any of like the fun and interesting stuff i had to you know create a piece of like sanitized fundy propaganda and i just yeah. like i could not um my i didn't have a car to leave <laughs> so that was a big like barrier my parents were going through some like financial and um like health related things too and i was so afraid like i have basically since i got there like since my freshman year i had wanted to call my parents and just tell them i don't want to be here don't make me do yeah. this i mean i had been doing that before i even left I had struggled with um, self-harm mm, um, wow. and eating disorder and things, yeah. especially like my junior and senior year of high school where it was really setting in, like I was, you know, being carted mm. away <laughs> to, you know, and um, I finally like had the courage to just call my parents one day and like broke down and cried. Mm, yeah. And they had kind of been on their own journeys as well. Um, they were still Christians and they still consider themselves Christians, but they're not really fundies anymore. Yeah. Um, my dad, I think is the most, um, like still into it, but even he, he doesn't really like attend church. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think he, he holds most of like the same views, but he's, he's learning and he's changing. And, um, mm -hmm. that's the grace that everyone deserves, you know? Um, so, but it's, it's not always easy, but it's good um yeah but they've they they kind of realized i think for the first time how i was really feeling yeah and um they were like okay well we're gonna do everything we can to like get you back and um i ended up uh i had grandparents who lived in texas mm -hmm. and uh they ended up no actually they were living in kentucky at the time mm -hmm. and um they came down and got me i had to sell a lot of my stuff i had to sell mm -hmm. my guitar I sold um, some like game. It's like stupid little things that I got attached to, right? Like I bought. Are you are you a fan of the show Firefly by any chance? I haven't seen it. No, it's a good one. Got canceled too soon. But I had like this monot like special edition Firefly Monopoly mm -hmm. game. Yeah, just like little things that like I had to sell. Like my Nancy Drew games. That was a sad yeah. one, but um, but it was worth it. It was one hundred percent worth it. I would have sold everything. I would have sold the clothes off my back, mm -hmm. made everyone uncomfortable. I would walk back to the show <laughs> completely rude. Um, but yeah, and I still, I still feel some guilt about it. I guess or not, maybe mm -hmm. guilt's not the right word. I guess the shame. Um, if I if I think about it really long, just because that perfectionism was like mm -hmm. instilled into me so much, so I feel yeah. often like a failure. Um. But in reality if i look at it you can like look back and be like ashley you were a complete badass yeah. look at all the cool stuff you did and and it was really hard to when i when i so they they picked me up and went to kentucky we stayed there for like a week it was kind of nice i hadn't seen my grandparents in a couple years at that point and i really only got to see my family about once a year um so they came down and we just like had a nice time and mm -hmm. um 
then I went back to Michigan and and then it was kind of hard because then I was that girl who mm-hmm. didn't finish Bible college or I mean technically I did but I didn't yeah. you know and um I wasn't going to church anymore like anytime I went back home like mm-hmm. Christmas break I just didn't go to church I was like yeah. I'm gonna be sick because I I already go to church every day of my life like I have yeah. more church than anyone mm-hmm. at my church does so yeah. <laughs> thank you um but this still knowing you know and even though like my family at the time they were they were still attending but not regularly and I just Mm -hmm. like I know that when they went people would have been like oh how's Ashley and it's just like or but that's the thing that's the thing I my brain says I know that that happens but I'm mind reading right I'm not thinking correctly I don't know that but but you know experience so a lot of this like secondhand guilt and or firsthand guilt I don't know whatever some handed guilt (laughs) Mm -hmm. and 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 then like I couldn't like I wasn't going to get a like a job teaching because I was not going to teach at a Christian school like I had decided that during my undergrad um so I ended up getting like a job at a grocery store and you know Mm -hmm. what I loved the job at the grocery store I got to organize things I got to help people Mm -hmm. the only thing is that like service workers are not treated with dignity and that's like a whole other conversation but I really enjoyed it but but even then I felt bad because it was like well this is the kind of job that women who leave the IFE get you know like they're gonna be working retail or fast food and there's nothing that's the other thing there's nothing wrong with those Mm -hmm. especially in like our society which like relies on those yeah so much um but it but it felt like a fate like you know it felt like a failure but I felt like they're like what else am I gonna do um my wildest dream the whole time was to be an intern <laughs> at to the community theater mm-hmm. that I um, was, you know, involved in in high school. It's it's a pretty um, like a big community. It's like one of the the I think it's like the third largest community theater in the country, mm-hmm. um, and and they have got great programs and great staff and it even though I had like a personal connection to me, it still seemed so wild and beyond Mm -hmm. my reach just because like, I, yeah, I have a degree in Mm -hmm. theater, but it's really says like, it really says speech. And that's like a weird thing to get into in an interview. And then Mm -hmm. like, Oh, well it's education. Why aren't you just a teacher? Well, that's another weird thing to get into (laughs) in an interview where you're like, no, please hire me. My degree isn't real, but please hire (laughs) me, you know? Um, And, and it was just like, I knew like my experience of theater going into the program was not that I didn't learn anything. Cause of course I did. I got a lot of hands-on experience and there are some things you just don't learn when you're like a volunteer at a theater. Right. Mm-hmm. But a lot of experience that I brought in was more advanced than anything I learned at the college. Um, and so I felt like it was a joke. Like I was mm-hmm. like, there's no way I would be taken seriously. Like, I don't know real things. And especially like to pursue theater professionally, a lot mm-hmm. of times that involves joining. Oh, I thought, I thought it was a dirty four letter word, but it's a dirty five letter word. So I was counting <laughs> on my fingers. Um, <laughs> um, joining a union <laughs> and that's unacceptable. Um, so that was kind of like another like bizarre like mm-hmm. thing that the fundyhood kind of like planted in my brain mm-hmm. um that became another barrier um but i i kind of just like it was hard living at home with my family even though my family had changed i had also mm-hmm. changed there wasn't a room for me so i was like 
sleeping in my sister's room slash on the couch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. um, I just like really needed a change. And so I decided to apply for the internship. Uh-huh. And I never thought, and I like honestly never in a million years thought that I would get it, but I did. Oh, that's great. And mm-hmm. yeah, and it was hard. <laughs> there was like mm-hmm. a lot that I had to learn on the fly and like mm-hmm. a lot of like references or just like um like jargon that I hadn't learned. Um I was like working with a wider variety of people than I mm-hmm. did, you know, on campus. And so yeah. Um but I so it's kind of weird. Like I, I came out of college thinking I was a big failure, but then like a couple of years later, I had oh. like checked off my ultimate craziest dream yes. ever. Um, and which was great, but then mm-hmm. also kind of like after that happened, I had been ignoring all of this trauma mm. and, yeah. um, just every, and I knew that I needed help, but I didn't know how, and I felt guilty and, yeah. um, one of the textbooks that they have us read in the education field is literally called like for our educational psychology class, the name of the book Uh, is why Christians can't trust psychology. Oh, that's so toxic. Yeah. So there's like all this weird Mm -hmm. stuff planted in your brain. And I, I kept thinking like the further away I got on my timeline from PCC, the better, like, you know, the more I would heal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But really I found the more, like the further away that I got, the worse I was becoming. I was um, like at the end of my internship, um, I was a wreck. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I would like wake up dry heaving. Um, I I was like, I was um, stage managing the big um, like season closer show, which was great. I loved doing it, but it was Mm -hmm. um, just like a lot. And my boss was sick sometimes. So sometimes I was like, you know, pulling double duty, which was fine. I loved it. I, Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it, but I was a workaholic. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I know that you read, um, I saw that you read, um, you were like posting like book recommendations, I think. And one of them was, um, the body keeps the score. (gasps) Yes. And Mm -hmm. when I was reading that, that's kind of when I realized like, oh, that's my problem. I guess I am a workaholic. Like I like to like Uh throw myself into the job, but it's nice like to have the job and that it's kind of like you have like the instructions and you know what you're supposed to do Mm -hmm. and it feels safer than to like go off and be yourself, especially when you're afraid of like talking to strangers (laughs) or Mm -hmm. there, um, and I, I had this idea, like when I had the internship, like everything would change and I would be um, like so free and to, like free to be myself. And I would go like out drinking with the other interns and we'd have a grand time. But I had trouble even like being in the dining room with mm-hmm. the other interns. Like yeah. if I was great to be in meetings with the other interns, but to like hang out like in the living room and just chill it was hard and I didn't even know how I'm sure that they think I'm the weirdest person in the world um then bless their hearts like they tried like they would do things and they would like knock on my door and invite me and sometimes it was harder because just like a lot of them were like design interns so they were Mm. working during the day and I was working at night because I had the the productions and the rehearsals so some of it was like a a a scheduling thing but also Uh a lot of it was I have agoraphobia and I did not know it yeah and I just thought you know I'm like crazy and it I I was um it was challenging but I loved 
almost every minute of it. It's still my favorite job I've ever had. Um, And I I find like, I feel like that's when I kind of got to prove myself. Like I thought that getting the MFA would be how I proved myself Mm -hmm. that I was worth it. Yeah. Um, But in the end, it was kind of like, well, I'm the one who got out and I got an actual job in theater um, and like got to do all this cool stuff. And Mm -hmm. I I'm counting that as a win. Um, I did Uh have like a a nervous breakdown afterwards because I was afraid to join a union Uh (laughs) and like keep pursuing theater. And Mm -hmm. there was like all this other stuff going on too. And I ended up um, moving back in with my parents and they're the ones who finally got me to see a therapist. (laughs) Um, And then that's kind of when the new era started um things started making a lot more sense and Mm. I was able to like understand how my brain works and yeah and that my experiences were not normal Mm -hmm. um yeah so in a nutshell in a really weird nutshell with lots of rabbit holes (laughs) I guess that's my story um I'm I one day would like to return to theater um Mm -hmm. I took kind of a break off um to like I was really burnt out mm-hmm. and had to work on my mental health and stuff. And um, the therapist I found hadn't really been a good fit at first. It mm-hmm. was better than nothing for sure. Yeah. Um, so I took some time off and I ended up working just at like TJ Maxx for a while, but then COVID mm-hmm. happened and then it got COVID happened when I was like seriously considering getting back into the theater industry. Mm-hmm. And it's a terrible time to be in the theater industry during COVID. Yeah. You know, you've got like, so yeah, so things are different now. I'm um, actually like have a corporate job in the business mm-hmm. world, um, yeah. which is so cool because that's something I was totally interested in as a kid. Yeah. And there's like my therapist, my my therapist I have now, love her, best therapist so far, hopefully my last one mm-hmm. um, and my only one. But um, she told me one day that our goals can change and mm-hmm. literally no one had told me yeah. that before. And I oh, stopped wow. to write it down and she looked at me kind of funny Cause it's like, you know, like who yeah. would think that that's so profound, but I had been told all my life yeah. that there's God's will for your life. Everything else is wrong. And yeah. when you're told like you are at PCC and this is your God's will for your life, like mm-hmm. everything down to like what class they put you in, yeah. they say that, you know, they pray about what's, you know, every, everything that they do and everything they assign, they've prayed about mm-hmm. it. So obviously yeah. it's correct. So you, just that freedom of like knowing that I can have a goal and that it can change. Yeah. Autonomy. Yes. Yeah. 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 And now it's like, there's, there's so much that I can offer Mm -hmm. anywhere I go. If I believe in myself (laughs) and I can pull on these, like pull off of the experiences that you have, like, Mm -hmm. especially like in the arts, like people really undervalue, like the yeah. usefulness of skills of people like anyways I feel mm-hmm. like that's another whole rabbit hole I'm gonna go down <laughs> <to myself. laughs> uh, yeah well thank you for coming on this show I've really enjoyed our conversation and I'm glad we yes. can finally make it work <laughs> me too <laughs> um but is there anything else you would like to say before we end this episode if anyone, if anyone's considering leaving, um, find someone to talk to, find mm-hmm. someone you can trust. Yeah. And then also if you're out and you're working on yourself, don't be afraid to fire your therapist if you need to. <laughs> I think those, 
those are like the biggest two biggest pieces of advice so i yeah. guess i'll leave it with that all right awesome all right thank you for coming on this is speaking up with andrew pledger this podcast is distributed by anchor from spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast everything you need is in one space anchor has the tools to record edit and distribute your podcast and it's all free download the anchor app or go to anchor fm to start creating your own podcast today thank you for listening to speaking up with andrew pledger please support the show by sharing donating or leaving a review your support is much appreciated